Hey everyone, I'm Justin Fiedler, and this is Dirt Tracker Conversations. On this episode of the show, I'm joined by longtime late model announcer and owner of MSR Mafia, Ben Shelton. We talk a ton of late model stuff, including all the parody we've seen this season, what's up with Brandon Shepard, how common it is to see someone like Brandon Overton give up a points lead, the upcoming Flow Racing Night in America series, and much more. Ben is a guy that's super locked into the late model community, and I knew he'd be a good one to pepper with my late model questions. A quick note, I talked to Ben before this week's Flow Night in America season opener was postponed, so that's why you'll hear us talk like it's still happening. That series will now open March 31st at Tri-City Speedway. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Ben Shelton. Ben, you're into so many things at this point. I'm not even sure what to call you. You're an announcer guy. <laughs> You've got your web clients. Like, I don't even know where to start. Um, but I, I do want to start in one specific place. And, and you are so locked into the late model world. And I, I remember, like, me and you have known each other a long time. We worked at World Racing Group together when you were the, the series announcer for the for the late models. And, and I remember being in the late model command center at World Finals. It had to have been 2014, 2015, something like that. And you and Kevin Kovac were going down the entry list for the night. And you guys were calling out drivers' names, and you were off the top of your head telling him their hometowns. <laughs> and I was completely blown away that you just had that information in your brain, and you were just like, it was just in there. And I, I could not imagine having the the hometowns of 90 late model drivers memorized to that point. It completely <laughs> blew me away. You know, it, it's one of those things where if you love something, you're gonna do it. You're gonna do a really good job with it. And uh, man, I grew up around racing my whole life, and you know, the late model world has been very good to me, but the irony is growing up in Memphis, I grew up with Jeff and Sammy Swindell and Lee Brewer Jr., Greg Hodnett, those guys. So the sprint car runs deep in me, but yeah, I'm, I'm probably most known for the late model stuff. And, uh, you know, I just, I just love what I do and I take a lot of pride in what I do. And, you know, the biggest fear I have in doing anything is not being prepared. That probably goes back to my engineering days and, and I just don't want to look like an idiot. I mean, just to be honest with you. So yeah, it's uh, I've got to work with a lot of cool people and I picked up some cool stuff along the ways and I've definitely picked up some OCD tendencies along the ways, thus the hometown game. So I wanted to have you on, you know, you guys are going to get ready to do the, the flow kind of uh, late model night in America stuff here coming up pretty quick. And I definitely want to talk about that, but I feel like my late model knowledge only goes back a few years and, and obviously yours is going to be much larger and broader than mine, but I feel like we're kind of in a really weird point right now with late model racing. It seems like there's just a ton of parody right now. And I'm wondering if you guys kind of that are more kind of entrenched in the world are seeing the same thing. Well, we are. And, you know, the difference is, and, you know, no discredit to these guys that have won 500, 600. There's some guys in, in late model racing that have won pushing a thousand races, but man, we're in a different time now, you know, you know, back then there might be two or three guys that had really good stuff and everybody else made the best of what they had. And nowadays you pull into a show with 40, 40 cars and hell, 30 of them may have the best on the stuff that you can buy. And, you know, and then there's a lot of talented drivers and yeah, the parody is really, really tough. I mean, um, you know, we still, I kind of poke fun at my sprint car friends. Cause I'm like, Hey, you know, in my sport, somebody can start outside the top three rows and win the feature, you know, but it's getting harder. I'm not going to lie to you. It used to be if you threw up a bonus for a guy to go back five or six rows or back of the pack in late models, guys would jump on it. Man, you can't you can't spot 10 guys, the starting spot in front of you in the feature. You're going to have a really hard time getting the win. So, yeah, it is it is really amazing the parity that has developed in our sport. And it's something we're really proud of and hopefully it continues to stay. 
What do you think of the situation that we're kind of watching Brendan Shepard in right now? I, you know, he's a guy that just, he's won so often in the last couple of years. And it's just strange to see him like running eighth or ninth at an outlaw show or a Lucas show and, and not really be a factor. Like what, what are you hearing about that? And what do you think about that so far? Well, just talking to the team at Speed Week, you know, they had a lot of near misses at Speed, speed Weeks. And, um, you know, I know those guys well. I mean, obviously, they're kind of the, the Rick Hendrick of the sport, if you will. I mean, you know, you've got you got a great crew there and you've got obviously Mark Richards and Steve Baker at the helm and you got Brandon Shepard, the driver. And I think a lot I think it just shows how tough the sport is. And and I think sometimes every team, they start experimenting with making things faster and they get a little off base and. Um, you know, and then sometimes it's hard to get back to base. And then sometimes you never know if they're not working on something right now, or maybe they're not going to get any wins right now, but because of what they're doing right now and developing, they may get 20 wins on the back half of the season. Uh, it's crazy to think that we could get out of March and Brandon Shepard not win, but Hey man, they're headed to Cherokee Speedway this weekend. And that team's never won there with Brandon Shepard. So it is feasible to think we could start April with Brandon Shepard winless kind of blows my mind. But if we know anything about that rocket team, um, you know, some people are taking a few jabs at him. And one thing we know, you don't poke Mark Richards because when you do, he comes back on the backside and that team wins 30, 40 races in a year. What are your kind of early impressions of Lucas so far? It seemed like, you know, we had a lot of guys kind of leave Florida battered and bloodied and, and some, you know, some names we didn't expect. Stormy Scott, you know, some of these guys winning races. Yeah. Um, but what were your kind of early impressions through that first part of the season and, and even back to this most recent weekend at Atomic? Well, I think you stole my thunder. You mentioned parody at the beginning, and it's parody. I mean, you you went through all of Speed Weeks for both the Outlaws and Lucas. Only I think two drivers won more than once, or there might have been three. Uh, you know, and that was across like sixteen events. And I just think there's so much parody, and you're seeing it with Lucas. And you know what jumps out to me after Hudson O'Neill wins last night at Atomic, he's now leading the Lucas Oil standings and with with a new ride. You know, with the Double Down Motorsports and Roger Sellers and the gang. Um, you got a guy like Jonathan Davenport, who let's not forget, I'm not sure how the points are going to play out with them postponing the feature. He was off the tour. You know, he was not at Brownstown. He showed up at Atomic, ran well. Uh, Brownstown had to postpone their feature due to track conditions. It's very plausible that Jonathan Davenport's not going to run that tour this year. But you look at who's winning over there, and you've got the regulars that, that have won on the tour. But then you've got guys like Devin Moran that might not run the tour this year. Well, guess what? Devin's second in points. It's very interesting. It always takes for both tours. It takes, you know, two or three weekends outside of Speed Weeks to sort things out because the points get diluted with the guys that aren't going to run the tour that run. Uh, that Lucas is very interesting. You know, I'm hearing through the grapevine. I know that Kyle Strickler is committed as an outlaw driver. I'm hearing he still might run Lucas, but he's leading outlaw points. He's buried like 23rd in the Lucas points. You know, Jimmy Owens is trying to dig out of a hole. Um, I think it's going to take a couple more weekends. And the interesting point about that, Lucas doesn't race again until April 16th and 17th. Hell, it could be May before we really know how the complexion of who is and isn't going to run that tour and who's going to be the favorites. I feel like we heard about at the beginning of the season that Overton might run, you know, Lucas full time or Outlaws full time. And, and this weekend, he basically drops off of Lucas to go run Bristol. I, I, I can't like fathom a points leader for a series, especially after eight or nine nights, just completely walking away from a points lead. And I feel like this isn't even like a topic of conversation in the late mall world right now. Like, is this something that happens like regularly to that, like to the point that no one is talking about it? Well, I, I guess look at it and, and let's put it in the sprint car world. If Freddie Raymer went down and had an amazing speed weeks and he was leading the world of outlaw points, would he have been at Cotton Bowl Speedway this weekend? Maybe, but I think probably not. Not with everything you got, you know, Pennsylvania scenes fired up, you know, wide open up there. 
Same deal with this. Brandon Overton, and I'm not saying the next year, I think you will see him on a tour, but where Brandon's based of out in Georgia, man, you get into the summer and you got the Southern Nationals and earlier you get spring nationals and he can pick these crown jewels. And we saw him win the USA Nationals last year and we saw him win some other big races. He can pick these crown jewels when he wants to run them, but he can run, you know, you know, 12 nights a, a, a month within four hours of the house for anywhere from five to $20,000. And it's kind of hard. And it's kind of like that Pennsylvania Posse situation where it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense for those guys to go out and follow an all-star or an outlaws because they can run for so much around the house, make more money and spend a lot less. Uh, I think by next year, you will see Overton out there, but he made it known this year. He was not looking to run a tour. And uh, man, I, I'm going to be honest. I kind of enjoy these guys that run the true outlaw schedule and you never know where they're going to show up and all that, you know, growing up and I'm a guy that's made a lot of money off websites and things like that. And the internet's been good to me, but I miss, you know, 10 years old going to an outlaw sprint car race or a Southern all-star late model race and really not knowing who the hell was going to show up until they pulled through the gate. And you know, that romanticism is kind of gone in our sport to an extent, you know, who's going to be where, pretty much every weekend. And I like where Brandon Overton still, uh, he surprises people sometimes where he does and doesn't go. He, you know, if, if we take a look kind of at last year, it was, it was Overton, Shepard Owens were kind of the three guys we were talking mm-hmm. about all year. And, and he seems kind of to be the only one that's kind of continued that momentum from last season. As we kind of look over the course of the year, you know, how many wins do we think is, uh, you know, is possible for Overton? Could he win one of these big money shows at Eldora? You know, you know, that, you know, we're coming up with the world and the dream with, you know, multiple events of those, you know, what, what are you kind of projecting for a guy like him through the rest of the season? Well, on the same token, talking about him not running a tour and that sometimes that team takes on off weekend. And because of that, I feel like they have guns blazing that much more going into like a dream or a world. Um, he's won prelims, you know, at Eldora before. I definitely think he's a guy who won the USA Nationals last year. I think he's a guy that could knock down some major crown jewels this year. Um, and, and to your point, yeah, I mean, you know, he's separated himself from what Shepard and Owens have done early in the year. Now, you know, Shepard, they've had some opportunities where they started on the front row and they couldn't capitalize. Jimmy Owens, on the other hand, I think that there's a giant magnet uh, under the the body of that 20 car because he has been like a ping pong ball all year. I mean, people have just been bouncing off of him. He's had awful luck. I think that team has speed. I just don't think they've been able to show it so far. But right now, you know, Brandon Overton, it's going to be very interesting. This weekend, they go to Cherokee, a place where I think he's won three straight World of Outlaw races. And you got twin fives on Friday and a 40,000 to win on Saturday. Man, it's hard to bet against Overton right now. He's looking really good. And uh, the cool thing is, is again, after this weekend, who the hell knows where he's going to show up the next weekend? You talked about Davenport, and I, I definitely wanted to ask you about him specifically because he comes out at the beginning of the year at, at the Wild West shootout and, and just lights the week on fire, then goes to Florida and struggles, then decides, you know, I'm not sure if I'm running Lucas or not, and then goes to Bristol and then wins the 50,000 at Bristol. <laughs> like, I mean, it, how do you get a handle on where Jonathan Davenport is after what we've seen so far this year? Well, I can't. Um, when he came to the Wild West shootout and he won three of the races, got a $10,000 bonus for that. And then he wins the finale. So, you know, that was another 25. He wins the points. So he basically made 38,000 in one night. Um, and you're like, okay, JD's, you know, he, he's got his stuff together. It's going to be a big year for that team. And then he goes to speed weeks and man, it was just struggle bus. And, you know, he made a comment to me the final night there at Bubba Raceway Park, final Lucas Oil pointsman. He said, I can't get out of this damn state fast enough. He's like, this has just been, we're going to go regroup. He hinted then he didn't know if they were going to run the tour. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't I didn't believe him. I said he will run the tour. And then I'll be damned if, you know, they don't work out a deal for Kyle Bush to drive one of their cars at Bristol. So, you know, Jonathan's there. 
and you know, and then he skips the event. And you know, this isn't the last time. Let's not forget with what's going on with the you know that situation with those race XR promotions. Uh, they booked a fifty thousand to win against the Knoxville Late Model Nationals. Um, that's a Lucas Oil event. So this would not be the last event, you know. And, and then they post some other incentives if you run through their fifty thousand win in Vegas in November. So I, I never would have dreamed Jonathan would be off that tour, but right now it, it looks like he very well is just going to hit and miss. Uh, I know he's talked to us about possibly running for the, the Castro Flow Racing Night in America uh, Points Championship. That's twenty grand. And maybe, you know, maybe, maybe just maybe teams watch what Brandon Overton did last year. And they're like, you know what? Less could be more. We're going to give that a shot. And maybe that team 49 is one of them. What were your impressions of, uh, of, of the week at Bristol, you know, from what you saw there between the crate stuff and, and the supers and, and kind of how the, especially those last two super late model nights went between Fergie and Larson and, and Davenport. Yeah. You know, it went, it definitely went better um, on Saturday, probably one of the, the best nights, you know, um, admittedly it didn't keep up with the week just a ton because I had a lot of things going on some promotions I was doing um I think it's probably good that I think they were maybe less than 800 of the total cars showed up that of the you know as many as 13 to 1400 and talking with Brad Hockaday that did some scoring and things over there he said you know here in year one it's we're probably very lucky we didn't have that because it was just a, a big learning curve so uh it was a lot of eyes on the sport um, you obviously hated to see a lot of torn up race cars, but you know, you saw some guys, Chris Ferguson, that was a bucket list thing. He wins there. Jonathan Davenport wins. Um, you know, it was an interesting deal and it's going to be uh, even more interesting as we get past, we go into the cup race this weekend and we see how that goes. And then we see how the world of outlaws late model and the, you know, the modified weekend and then the world of outlaws sprint cars and big block weekend, how those go with the restricted entries. If that kind of makes the track, uh, you know, it makes the shows obviously going to be more efficient because you've got fewer cars. It'll be interesting to see how it raced. But, you know, on Saturday, admittedly, um, some of the, the stuff I saw, it looked like that it raced pretty well on Saturday. What do you think about the NASCAR drivers that came in? And, and you know, you saw Austin Dillon run a crate. You saw mm-hmm. Corey LaJoy run a crate. And then obviously, you know, Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, and, and Chase Elliott run supers. You know, do you think that's a big boost for the late model world to have guys that, you know, kind of have those profiles come in and run those shows? Well, absolutely. And I think it's a big boost for the NASCAR world because I don't think it's a big secret that NASCAR is kind of looking for any avenue they can get. Thus, dirt on Bristol with the Cup Series. You know, they're trying to get some fans back, attract some new fans. And I think it's, you know, I listened to an interview with Kenny Wallace recently and he talked about how, you know, dirt people just hating that pavement world and thinking the pavement world hates them and rooting against each other. And he's like, man, and, you know, it's, it's not one, it's not that way. And two, you know, we all need each other. And I kind of look at it that way. And I like seeing those guys come in. I, I talked to Corey LaJoy uh, before he, he went into the weekend. He had never raced dirt before. And that's why he ran the, the Craig Lake model for Corey Hitchcock Racing. I think it's pretty cool. I, you know, me, do I watch as much cup stuff as I used to? No, you know, I keep I keep tabs on, you know, Memphis area driver Ricky Stenhouse Jr., how he's doing and some of that. But um, a lot of times I'm on the road or I've got other things going on. So I don't watch a lot of NASCAR, but I'm probably, I'm definitely going to see how the cup race goes at Bristol. And, you know, I'm excited to, you know, see how things go at, you know, Knoxville this year with some of that stuff. So um, I think it's good, man. I think the cross promotion, I, I don't, I, it doesn't hurt us. That's for sure. At very least it's a net zero and there's no gain and there's no loss, but I think there's a gain. Uh, the, the outlaw late models, you know, right now, Kyle Strickler leading the points and he has like, it's like the tale of two seasons. He starts out the year, really struggles with Lucas and then comes out with the outlaws and wins a couple of shows and he's leading the points right now. Could, do we really think he could be a contender all the way down the stretch this year for that championship? Well, I do. Um, 
I mean, because here's one thing, Kyle has no shortage of confidence, um, you know, and he's gone to some places he hasn't been and, and done really well, especially in a late model. He went to, you know, Fairbury in a late model for the first time and set a new track record last September. So, um, I mean, he could be, but I mean, that is a long grueling deal, these national deals. And, and you look at guys, you know, like, you know, the Brandon Shepard team and obviously, and you look at Ricky Weiss and you look at those guys over there. And it's still interesting to see where Clanton's going to land. You don't know where Shane Clanton's going to end up at. He, he's kind of riding the fence. And again, you know, not a hundred percent sure right now. You don't know what to believe anymore, but you don't know exactly where Strickler is going to run. And it's going to be a minute before they have to decide between the two. Um, so Gun to my head right now, can Kyle Strickler win the World of Outlaws Championship this year? No. Can he finish in the top three? Yes. That's that, that's what I feel right now. Because you've seen it when you're with the Outlaws. A big part of that is getting out of speed weeks and still being a contender. Well, he's got that behind him, and, and he went down there and won even. So, um, you know, he's definitely got a big shot in his arm in that sense. When you look around too, like, you know, who are the other guys that we should be paying attention to? And, I, you know, I'm, I'm worried a little bit about Weiss just because – you know, he's switching to his own car this year. Plus, you know, we know he can pass a lot of cars, but he hasn't done a great job of starting up front. Can he really break through and, and win the championship this year, even with all of the things that kind of seem to be stacked against him? Well, you're right. I mean, things are stacked against him. And if he's going to do it, it's going to have to start this weekend at Cherokee. He's got to start making up ground. You can't spot these guys a lot of points. Uh, I mean, I think Brandon Shepard was eighth in points leading speed weeks. And after a few post uh, speed weeks races, he's like second. So he is second. So, it can change quick. Um, so I'll be interested on Weiss. Diller, Kate Dillard's had unbelievably bad luck. You know, let's not yeah, forget terrible. he was leading the opener and he got he, he got some contact that ended his deal. I think Dillard's got a team that can do something. Uh, they just need a little bit of luck. Um, you keep thinking Daryl Anigan's gonna kick it into high gear, and you know, we're gonna find out, you know, as we start getting into the meat of the season on that. But um it's it's kind of hard to it's obviously it's hard to go away from Shepard. Uh, what he can do there. Strickler's an eye raiser. Will he stay over there? Won't he? That's to be determined. Uh, there's good young talent that's come to that tour, you know, with the raw spells. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting year. And again, I don't think we're going to really know until maybe middle of next month exactly who's committed to what. And because of that, it really muddies the waters. Who's a guy that you think that doesn't get a lot of national attention that we should be keeping an eye on? Uh, you know, maybe not this year, maybe, maybe this year, you know, for sure in the future. You know, I really think um, – I think people know him as far as guys on national tours right now, but I don't think people realize Ross Bells. He's got a ton of potential, and Ross is – you know, he's one with the Outlaws, and he's, he's one with Lucas, and he's got a good deal with Big Frog Motorsports. And he's a contender. He's a guy that can win – absolutely win at Cherokee this weekend. Uh, Ross, is, Ross has had some opportunities, and he's really capitalized on them. But, hey, we're in a sport where a lot of times sponsorship dollars talk. And just as he's really got his groove in some of these rides, you know – different things have happened. He's lost those rides. He's in a ride now where he's very stable. Um, they've got the things they need and Ross definitely has the ability. I feel like, you know, between the national tours, I think Ross Bells is a definite under the radar kind of guy. Um, a guy that I think is kind of under the radar and people go, well, hell, he's already won an Outlaws race this year and he's second in the Lucas points. How can he be under the radar? I think Devin Moran's got even more talent than a lot of people realize. And, uh, you know, right now it looks like he's not going to run the Lucas tour full time. Now that can change if he keeps running well with him being second in points. But I think Devin is a guy that we haven't seen his full potential yet. He's had some things, you know, work against him at different times and some bad luck, but you know, that's two on my radar. And I really, you know, he won the firecracker last year, but I don't think we've seen just how high Kate Dillard can fly. I really think that driver's got a lot of talent 
and maybe still a little bit under the radar for some people. I think I was looking across some kind of forum or something on social media this week and somebody was like, who knows more about Cade Dillard, which is kind of fascinating because he's been on the road with the World of Outlaws for a couple of years. So that tells me that not yet a household name, but, you know, some young talent. I, I the the Lucas situation is so interesting to me, and, and you know you're talking about Devin Moran there, and you know Hudson O'Neill leading the points in that new ride. He's got a couple of wins already, but you know with Owens kind of a little further back, question marks about Davenport. Is this like McCready's deal to win this year? You know he hasn't got a win yet, but here the last whatever six or eight races, he's been like top five like regularly, um, and, and we know he can get hot and win a lot of races. Do you think he's the favorite for Lucas this year right now? Man, I'm going to be honest. I I like to gamble. If I was putting money on somebody, I don't know who I'd put money on over there because guys have shown flashes of brilliance so far this year, and then they've really struggled. There's been no in-between. And, um, you know, let's not forget McCready led the points for a long time last year, and it looked like that was going to be his year. And then Jimmy Owens got red hot, and, you know, McCready ended up finishing second in the points. I'm going to tell you right now, I think that if they can keep things rolling the way they are, I think Hudson O'Neill could be a sleeper for a championship run over there because the kid's got talent. I think he learned a lot from, you know, his previous time on the road. He's had some time to step back, reevaluate everything. I think Hudson could make a run at it. Uh, You know, I think Ricky Thornton Jr. is going to be a guy that's going to win, you know, five or six races over there this year. I mean, you know, let's not forget he's already won, you know, this year. Um, He's a guy that, can really be an eye opener and I think can do some things. There's a lot of parody over there and a few bad nights could really bury you. And now that we're getting into the meat of the season, it becomes that much more paramount on who can do what. And, you know, the thing about Lucas that also makes it so damn hard is they sanction a lot of the crown jewels. Well, you know, there's a lot of privateers that drop in on those shows and it makes it really hard. Just like speed weeks. I mean, who would have thought we'd be creeping on 80 cars at East Bay? Not me that really buried some guys to start the year and they're still trying to dig out of that. So man, I don't know who's going to be the champion over there, but Hudson's leading the points right now. They he's got the backing. He's got the equipment. The kid can drive. This could be the year for Hudson O'Neill, but you know, as we get down the home stretch of a season where Tim McCready lost the points last year, is that where he's going to regain them this year? You know, only time's going to tell. You have a busy week on tap. You guys are starting uh, the night in America season, you know, this week. What do you kind of, you know, think about that series and, and you know, how do you think it's going to play out? Kind of give me the full rundown on, on what to expect with that series this year. Well, we're really excited. Um, you know, I'd be lying to you. I didn't tell you, we didn't don't know exactly what to expect by the time we get to October and we get the final event of Volunteer Speedway. We've had a ton of interest. Um, you know, we're, we're evaluating the full disclosure, we're evaluating the weather right now. Cause we, we opened this uh, Thursday at 411 motor speedway and it's, uh, you know, it's looking sketchy. We're keeping an eye on it, but this field that is shaping up, it's really, it's really going to break our heart if we don't have it. I mean, everybody from Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson, you know, showing intent to come to guys like Jimmy Owens and Scott Bloomquist and Jonathan Davenport and Corey Hedgecock and, you know, all those all those regional guys thrown in with a bunch of national guys. Earl Pearson Jr. is supposed to be there. Um, you know, and the beauty of this deal, we have 10 races scheduled, and only your best seven finishes count. And the big thing that we want to do with this is we want to do midweek shows. This is where I go back to my sprint car roots. Growing up, Thursday night, Thursday night thunder from Ventura or IRP, or I think they might have done some from Ascot, and, you know, to the Slick 50 shootout with Manzanita and all that. You know, and I know that was on Sunday night, but I always, as a kid, man, tuned into ESPN and watching them from Winchester, Winchester, Indiana, you know, the midgets running. That'd get me fired up and ready to go to Memphis Motorsports Park on Friday night. We're trying to bring back kind of 
that kind of stuff where it's some midweek shows and we've got, you know, Wednesday, Thursday shows or what these 10 are. And uh, we're just trying to do something. We're not trying to compete with the world of outlaws and not with Lucas oil. And, you know, um, if anything, you know, we're scheduling races that were then most of the races were within four to five hours of them on a Thursday. So that maybe it brings more guys to the area. Um, but either way, I'm really excited. It's going to be interesting to see how it shakes down. You know, we've got guys like Ryan King, Ashton Wingers, some, some drivers like that, Jensen Ford, you know, so you've got national flair, you've got regional guys all talking about doing it. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes, but man, 10 races, a $62,000 points fund. We're very excited about that. Um, if you have perfect attendance after the first event, you pay no entry fee, the top eight points after the first event, get $500 show up money. We're doing draw, draw two drawings at every driver's meeting uh, for uh, two people get Hoosier tires, two other people get randomly get 150 bucks cash. We're just trying to have fun with this deal and see how it all shakes down. And I'm sure we're going to learn a lot of things that do different for year two. But here in year one, uh, you know, we, we couldn't be more fired up about it. We're very prepared. We just need Mother Nature to be a race fan. That's what we need. I know that this kind of came out of, you know, like last year during COVID, you guys kind of start coming out and doing some of these midweek shows to kind of just get racing going again. But when did the conversations kind of first start about this being a possibility? And, and you know, how did you guys kind of work into this? Well, honestly, it, it, it's exactly what you said. You know, things racing, if you will, kick back off. I think like the last like the last Thursday in April there at Tri-County. And, you know, that's kind of when racing came back to life and there were no fans there, but there were a gazillion watching online. And then, you know, from there we went to Peavey, Missouri and, you know, we did the Carl Chevrolet 50. And then we went down to, uh, you know, I put a deal together literally. And the, the day after that race, that Sunday, we put a deal together for four days from then at Magnolia Motor Speedway. And just the feedback was so big on these midweek shows. We were like, this might have legs even when the world gets back to pseudo normal. So we started talking then we started putting it together. And to be honest, you know, we were talking about some associate sponsors and some different things. And then Castrol just, I mean, they, they really came in kind of like in the 11th hour and they were really about this. And I don't know about you, but when I think of Castrol, the first thing I think of is John Force, right? Yeah, for you know, sure. And yeah. all the years on that. And so when they came on and uh, they were like, we, we love what you're doing here. We want it. We're all in. That allowed us to do a lot of different things. And we were like, okay. But the one thing that we knew and, and you know, we had some tracks kind of not get, I, I kind of get their feelings hurt and it was nothing against them. And it's not to say that we're not going to try to hit some of them next year. We couldn't go past 10 tracks. And we tried one to try to support the people that supported us last year, you know, Tri-County, you know, Fairbury, we did the one for the road, which was wildly successful. So we wanted to try to get as many as we could. And, and that's where it was born from. And, uh, you know, Michael Rigsby and I spent a lot of time talking about it. And then putting it together and, you know, Matt Curl's been very uh, intricate in it. Now we've got Kelly Carlton as our race director. Kelly just worked at Bristol this weekend. He, he does the Wobble shootout with us. He does the Dome. Uh, my partner in crime, Dustin Jarrett, is going to be on the broadcast with me. And we're doing kind of a cool deal where we're going to have the studio show. That's probably one of the neatest things we've got is Dustin and I are going to every event to announce them. But you're going to have Michael Rigsby and Derek Kessinger in the studio. We're going to be bouncing back and forth. So it's kind of like what's going on right now with the NCAA tournament where, you know, they're popping into the studio at halftime to talk about things and analysis. And uh, we got a lot of fun things up our sleeves and, but, you know, it's just, we're, we're trying to think outside the box and in a world where streaming is a big deal, give people that are at home something big to check out, but also with these tracks, hopefully put some big fans in the stands and the people at home check out these races and go, damn, that's a really cool place. I'm going to 411 Motor Speedway later this year, or next year. That's the ultimate goal is, People see what we're doing. It makes them want to go to the track. Everybody wins. 
I know you guys are, are pretty locked in with Flow Racing, and, and I have done a lot of singing of Flow Racing praises on, on my various shows because I think all of the things that are happening over there are, are super fun. But I'm I'm curious, you know, from a position where you are sitting, how much fun is it to be able to kind of experiment and try things and, and still have, you know, the opportunity to have, you know, good resources behind you to do things like studio shows. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of the stuff that we're seeing like really hasn't been done before. And, and it's, you know, from the outside, it's fun to watch that happen. But from you kind of putting all of this together, like, is it fun? Is it stressful? Kind of, you know, where do you, where do you sit on this? Well, I, and I can't take a whole lot of credit. Um, you know, Michael Rig again, Michael Rigsby, Derek Kessinger, and then there's, a ton of people in the corporate office back in, in Austin, Texas, that do a lot. Tim Truex, uh, IE Loud Pedal, he's orchestrating a lot for Mountain California from his home. And uh, I'm just lucky to kind of get to come in and do a lot of these things. It's exciting. I mean, you know, it's been an evolution because, you know, with the dirt on dirt and what we did there, a lot of times there'd be three or four of us that had to make a decision. Well, now you, you go into a corporate setting and you've got, you know, you've got a lot of different people with, with roles in it and, it's a blessing, but it's an adjustment, you know, whereas you might have three or four before now you got 40 people that are having some form of input in there. So, um, you know, very lucky to get to do these things. It's always a work in progress. We're always looking to make it better. Um, and to me, the coolest thing that with, with what flow's got going on, and this is outside looking in as I can go in my media room and flip the TV on and hell, I might be able to watch a street soccer race from somewhere tonight. And that's what I like. I like the variety of what's going on there, but you know, there's a lot of people doing a lot of cool things in, in streaming. I mean, Dirt Vision's really picked their game up with what they're doing this year. You obviously have, you know, Lucas Plus that's been watched. Uh, Trent Berry and the guys at Racing Dirt, they do a fantastic job. Um, you know, you, you got Speed 51 and what they do. So there's a lot of people, and I feel like they're continuing to push the envelope. And, you know, I'm a guy that obviously streaming has been good to me, but I also make no bones about it. There's nothing like being there in person. And, you know, the biggest thing we want is we want the, you know, these streams to do well, but we want people to keep going to these races as well. Uh, Cause that's, that's really the, the beauty of our sport. So, you know, people ask me all the time, they're like, so do you think streaming will ever take the place of being there? And I'm like, not even almost, it's like watching a NASCAR race on TV. You don't get the feel for a car going by you at 198 miles an hour in Daytona on TV. Uh, you got to be there and, 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 you know, being at the dirt track, the sights and the sounds, but this is the next best thing for the people that can't be. And that's what, that's what we're trying to do. And we got a lot of cool things we're working on. There could be some, some, you know, really big stuff coming up that we haven't announced yet. But I think for me, I like working with all the genres, you know, we, from the wild west shootout, we created the wild wing shootout this year. And while mother nature threw us every curveball, we got it in, but it was really cool to work with the sprint cars and to see the, the you know, the, the potential there and, and having people in our corner, like Eldora Speedway, and Tony Stewart, and, you know, now the chili bowl and, you know, Emmett Hahn and the Lucas Oil American sprint car series, the Tulsa shootout, all of that only allows you to do that much more. So I'm excited to see where the future can go, but make no bones about it. I want people to go to the track whenever they can. Yeah, for sure. Well, I appreciate the time tonight. Where can we, um, you know, kind of keep up with you this year? I know you're going to be a lot of different places and you're into a lot of things, but maybe at least for the foreseeable future, where, uh, where are we going to see you at? Well, I definitely check out flowracing.com. Um, you know, our flow racing in general, get the app. There's a lot of cool stuff happening. I just did a race from Little Rock on Saturday night uh, from that we had live on there with the Comp Camp Super Dirt Series. Uh, but yeah, you know, check that out for sure. Um, you know, I've got some eye racing stuff coming up. So doing some of the eye racing in the office. I enjoy doing that. That's fun to see. But yeah, and apart from that, just msrmafia.com. Uh, that's my business. We do public relations websites. A lot of stuff's been very good to me. And man, I'm, uh, you talked about, you don't even know how to describe me. Uh, I like to say I'm a much, jack man. of all trades. I'm a jack of all trades and master of none, but I'm, I'm very, I stay very, very busy, but 
very lucky to get to work in racing and uh, man, just get to work with amazing folks like yourself. And I, I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks to Ben for taking the time out of his busy day to talk late model racing with me. Follow him on Twitter at MSR Mafia and check out his website, msrmafia.com. He does a lot of work for various drivers, series, and more, helping them with their websites and all kinds of other things. You can also see and hear him all season long calling races for flow. You can find the Dirt Tracker podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. You can also watch the shows on YouTube. For more cool dirt racing stuff, visit dirttracker.com and follow Dirt Tracker on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.